Testing, testing. Testing? One, two, three. Testing. Mic check. Hey, what are you guys doing? Cool shit. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm Elise. And I'm Allie. And you're listening to Primitively Speaking, the podcast that looks at the world through a primitive lens. Um, Allie, what does that even mean? Well, I've always assumed our ancestors are just a bunch of monkeys, right? Hey, speak for yourself. I'm a child of God. <sighs> okay, well, fine. You're right. But then they evolved and became cavemen. But now, did cavemen have Facebook? Did they work in cubicles? Did they go on Tinder to find their cave ladies? Okay, no. Well, wait, so why do we? Exactly. Okay, so with this podcast, we're examining how our primal roots play out in our current lives. Bingo. Ah, okay, I get it. Whew. First topic, happiness. 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 Okay, according to a 2017 Harris Poll survey, only 33% of Americans said that they were happy. Okay, let's figure out why these people aren't happy. Because I'm happy. Elise, not right now. We don't even own the rights to that song. Oh, crap. Okay, sorry. Let's, let's do this. Real quick, what makes you happy? Food. Family, but that would include my dad then, so kids. I hate you. <laughs> but for the purpose of this, naps. The chip with onion dip. Going to the dollar store. Making other people happy. Beer. Um... <laughs> I don't know. Well, give me, give me a few minutes. In this first episode, we sat down with Dr. Davidian, a psychotherapist and a guest lecturer at UCLA. Ooh, fancy. Anyways, we touched upon um, what income levels make people happy, types of jobs, how trauma can be genetically passed down. That was an interesting one. So crazy, right? And just how important community and connections are with others. So hope you enjoy. Enjoy. That things are moving nowadays with social media and all the information, which is to me is just incredible. You know mm -hmm. that you Google three ingredients and then you know what you're going to be eating tonight. You know, incredible! It's in two seconds. I know, right? It's crazy. Uh, or how you use ways to get here, and <laughs> you know, and it's like finding creative ways to outsource your brain but <laughs> the, with what comes with all this information is the idea of creating an illusion which is the illusion that you're connected when you're not really connected i couldn't agree more absolutely so going back to uh absolutely agree going back to the research that they did in the 50s with this uh with the wire monkey you remember that oh vaguely yes i think that was in a psych class i took yes yeah so they introduce uh baby monkeys they introduce baby monkeys hungry baby monkeys so if, if i remember correctly to two scenarios one is a wire monkey with lots of food and one is cloth monkey with no food mm. or something like you know what it's been 30 years since i read the study now i'm gonna look it up now i'm yeah <laughs> but the idea behind it is that attachment is everything mm. it's really everything it's about um what really creates um a head start for happiness in general is the ability to feel felt by your caregivers and it doesn't have to be Obviously, it doesn't have to be the mother, obviously. It can be a caregiver. It can be, it just needs to be a good enough, consistent caregiver. The presence of someone that cares about you. Presence yeah. of somebody who's Remembers present. You. Yes, mm. absolutely. And so 
having that experience of the eyes gazing and the being held Mm -hmm. And um, just like when I was asking, <laughs> what is happiness? And he looked at me kind of like, why are you asking me this question? Like it's, it's sometimes, you know, adults don't think about it. And yet we're obsessed with it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's so relative. And I love that you, um, you said your day to day and just like, it's so much a part of you as like a human being, because as we are in our first episode of primitively speaking, so to speak, um, I think we forget that there are things we do naturally that just make us feel good. Like I get up in the morning and I want a cup of coffee, right? If I don't have my cup of coffee, my whole demeanor is different. It's a whole experience that I choose to have. And so some people might not even care about coffee. And that's where we differ or we don't differ. Does that make sense? Like little things that are pick-me-ups that keep you going, I think are all contributing to feeling happy on a daily basis. But, Absolutely. So. You mentioned different elements. And what do you think those elements are? So, um, you know, it's, it's interesting. I remember it was about maybe a year or two years ago. Um, I was reading a paper um, about this study, it's a 70, I want to say 75 year old study mm -hmm. that was done in Harvard. And basically it was a study, it was the longest study about um, um, basically tracking a very large group of people, mostly men, I think it's actually all men, um, about trying to identify what looks, what makes people happy. I think that was really in the hearts of hearts. And it was interesting because um, it really changed my perspective on things. Because to me, happiness day to day is exactly what you're talking about, is those, you know, peak experiences that people have, you know, and that collectively, if you can take it in, not just have all these experiences in your life, but you can actually take it in and metabolize it mm -hmm. and integrate it into your daily life. Only then I thought, you know, happy, that's what happiness is. Um, but this study that I was just, I, again, I don't remember the details of it, but the study actually, it was kind of an interesting thing because it all um, really um, pointed in a very particular direction which is the importance of relationships. Mm. Interesting. Love that you bring that up. So how do you feel that community and your identity within a community affects your happiness or impacts it? Um, like, is there a culture with a certain community that you gravitate towards that's more part of your weekly routine than you realize, but you're doing it on purpose? So you're talking about me personally. Yeah. or in general yeah it so our lives is a combination of the personal the professional and you know we have we live in communities and this my kids school and the support that i get there and that the support that i offer there my personal relationship um uh you know within my family and the extended ca uh, community and i think for me, um, and also what I've seen over the years, is that it's not just the support that you get and that you offer. It's not just le that level of recipro reciprocity. 
it's also the idea of the quality of the relationship. Mm. In other words, if you allow yourself to feel felt by another person and you're able to show up mm-hmm. and be seen for who you are, um, that is a big piece of it. Yeah. I mean, I'm just thinking back to like, and I hate to say this, but you know, when you have like those really, truly close friends. Oh yeah. And when you're growing up and I don't know, you know, high school, college, you have this just wide range of friends, but that's not completely fulfilling. Yeah. I can be more fulfilled by one or two really close friends. And I think for me, it's the, it's the quality of the friendship that makes me most content. I completely agree that I am going to pick if I have to, to go have dinner and sit and talk to two people that I know well and I trust and can understand me than I am to go to a bar or a party where I have to socialize with 20 different people. Yeah. Doesn't give me the same fulfillment whatsoever. Mm-hmm. I completely agree. And that's a choice. I think that's a purposeful choice we make that comes with age, that also comes with knowing ourselves and self-awareness that contributes to our happiness because we learn more as we get older, oh, I didn't like that. I'm not going to re-put myself in that situation. Yeah. So that's, I think that's totally relative to being content. That's true. And that does change with age. I mean, like, I feel like I'm at an age where I don't really need any more friends. (laughs) (laughs) The positions have been filled. Move along. (laughs) Seriously. (laughs) But that's, you know, that's the thing. The thing is that we're being told for, 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 you know, for a long time, we're being told about the importance of having a variety of friends and, 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 you know, allowing yourself to take some risks in with friendships and to extend yourself and all that kind of stuff. And in the end of the day, you really need fewer relationships that are really meaningful and that there is a sense a good sense of of back and forth and and um and you feel grounded in the relationship you know i agree i think um those relationships are are also relative in work right we have work relationships Mm -hmm. that one time my mom said to me she goes don't forget like your friends at work aren't your real friends like she said that yeah crazy right but i'm like well i don't know like we've become really close like but i get it now because i'm still not going to call that friend at work the same way i'm going to call elise for instance for the same advice so on that note do you think the as far as purposeful decisions go do you think your jobs or income have play a role in that happiness as you get older have you changed professions or picked one that meant more to you? It took me a while to figure out how I wanted to support myself and what type of job that meant for me. Um, and I think feeling like I'm contributing to society and, and making those connections with the children and their families is a really important part of my identity, too. It's rewarding, right? It's rewarding. But I don't like, I look at my father and my father isn't rewarded by helping others. <laughs> he can't care less. He just wants to make money, but that makes him happy. So it's like everyone, I don't know. That's what do you the think? Difference, maybe that monetary versus not. I don't know. Yeah. What do you think? Well, it's interesting. You know, I, first of all, first of all, I, I, I think that being able to touch children's lives in that kind of a way, um, you have no idea how this is going to affect uh, my daughter in particularly, but <laughs> children in general. We know that earlier relationships with teachers and especially um, women in leadership roles with girls, how important it is about mm-hmm. for them, you know, in the long run in terms of their image, 
um, self-image in terms of their ability to speak their mind, inability to take um, important roles later on in life. Mm-hmm. And so, and I sat in your classroom and I enjoyed it very much. And so I think that, um, you know, there, there, there is also reciprocity there because I noticed in the classroom that they are able to give you a lot and you're able to do a lot with it. Um, but going back to the monetary um, mm-hmm. piece of it. So I've been doing the same kind of work for most of my adult life, all of my adult life, really. But uh, I remember at some point I was doing some consultation work and one of the things that I did is I um, worked for um, an HR human resource firm and we we're trying to figure out what would be helpful for employees because this particular agency had some issues with staff retention. And so they were just doing a lot of different things. They're trying to figure out things around benefits. They're trying to figure out things around little cafeteria and all that kind of stuff. And then what we really understood over time was that actually the work conditions were important you know, such as noise pollution, having coffee available, um, all that stuff. But there was no correlation really between well-being and salary or raise or bonus or any of that. There was no correlation. What do I mean by that? Mm -hmm. How people were treated in the work environment in, by their supervisors, the um, feeling of being part of um, a group that is effective mm-hmm. and um, being able to be valued as team players and um, the emphasis on um, professional development. Um, all that stuff was just so essential and people were willing to overlook their salaries in order to feel part of something so incredible. I mean, you know, when I think about, you know, when I think about consumption and just in general, we spend so much money just because commercials tell us that we belong to to some kind of a group. Yeah. yeah. That that we this affiliation thing is making us do a lot of silly things. Mm-hmm. And so I think that most people in the work environment they want to feel a sense of ownership and affiliation. Mm. Um, and I don't think money has anything to do with it, although Although I have to say that um, there is a big difference between people who are not being able to tap into resources at all as opposed to people who have too much resources. There is a big, huge difference. Not having any resources is connected with a sense of, of um, uh, learned helplessness, mm-hmm. Uh, people feel that it's really tapping into not a feeling of well-being where on a continuum, if you look at people that have a lot of resources, mm-hmm. it actually doesn't make any difference as opposed to people that have sort of something in the middle. That is so funny. That, I mean, not funny, but it's so interesting that you brought that up because um, yeah, there was <laughs> we found this study and it kind of blew our mind. Um, so it was by uh, a Princeton economist. Um, his name's Angus Deaton, and he found that happiness increases with income. But then at $75,000 a year, it caps off. And anything more that you make is not going to increase your happiness. And so is this why, why do you think that is? is? Is what you're bringing up is that it's you need to have basic needs covered, 
But then once that's covered, it's kind of up to you to create the meaning. meaning. Like what's meaning? Yeah. It? What's, how do we go beyond where we're at? Yeah. You know, you can, you can run, 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 run from your, um, vulnerabilities but they're going to catch on to you at some point meaning that you know when people who are dealing with survival stuff that they have to work to get their needs met like basic needs yeah. it's just like maslow a hierarchy you know? yeah. it's like mm -hmm. you need to get the food and you need to do all of that but once you're able to do that it's like okay what's next like and self-realization is at the top of that isn't it that's right. a very privileged place to be at where yeah, you can right. actually think about your existence <laughs> and do you think <laughs> like look at celebrities right who you think god they have the whole world they make so much money they're this they're that everyone loves them they're beautiful but then they're ODing on drugs or they're always getting yeah. divorced and they're you know so it's like you can get so far but if you're only identifying what's making you happy to an extent you're not doing yourself enough justice i feel you have to always look beyond and maybe that's what comes with meditation for instance being know, mindful which is a choice yeah exactly like you said it's like not consuming an experience like i could go to disneyland and um just be somewhere else or um you know eat my churro really fast rather than <laughs> right which i do i have like five but i mean those churros are incredible but if i'm if i'm sitting with my one churro and i'm really taking it in and i'm looking at the people around like that's going to be a completely different life experience versus the consu consumption kind of mentality yeah all, I completely agree. It's all experience, which goes right back to that cup of coffee in the morning. It's like that is the experience you choose. And, yeah. And that's also at the same time what's been capitalized on, though, right? Where you see Starbucks and they're like, oh, experience. We just made this a whole different, you know, this is a whole new world when you have a cup of coffee here. And so, you know, hit or miss. But yes, yeah. I agree. I thought it was interesting when you said you went meaning and like it was kind of like a ha aha moment. Mm -hmm. Um and we were talking about the different types of jobs and we, we did find and this kind of blew our minds so this is a gallup uh, uh well-being index uh study and so the top 10 uh jobs where people are the most satisfied and they say the most content include firefighters physical therapists authors special education teachers teachers painters sculptors psychologists and the bottom are waiters, servers, bartenders, um, roofers, um, furniture salespeople, cashiers, and then let me look here, food preparers, and clothing salespeople. I don't know. Cashiers at Trader Joe's, they seem to be happy. What is that? They I are so happy. I completely agree. That is so funny. I'm like, I would work at Trader Joe's. I'm like, Why do they not? have stock options? Why are they so happy? I exact I think it's the music. They have some really good choices there. I really Trader Joe's. Joe's. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Oh the samples. Um but I think it goes back if it um oh whoops, if it helps us kind of tie it all together. You had said when you teach, it's so rewarding. Yeah. You may not make as much as a heart surgeon, right? I'm not making 75K. No, here. neither <laughs> am I. But like you get to literally see the look on someone's face or the change in development. And you're like, oh yeah. my gosh, like that is so productive. And I wonder if that innate internal productivity also contributes to our contentment. 
hence those people, firefighters, helping others. Helping, yeah. I'm looking know? at what's in common, and it looks like these people are either get to be creative, like express themselves creatively, <laughs> express themselves in a creative way. Uh, I'm a teacher. Um, and Or like they feel like they're helping others, and like there's a large community there. Like teachers, you're part of a teacher community, firefighters, that's community. But there is a sense of there is a sense of of some kind of a, some kind of um, social interaction in all of them. Mm. There, there's that there is that Good back and, you know, yeah. and I think that there is something to be said about that. Um, you know, traditionally we talked about ha- happiness is is something it's something that comes from it's an inside job. It's something mm-hmm. within mm-hmm. yourself, and we talked about. Um, going back to what I was saying, that there are some people who are happier than others. We are in our constitution. It has to do with the temperament. It has to do with who we are. Yeah. You know, and you see it. I see it with my kids. I see it with my, you know, with all of our friends, their kids. There are some kids that from the minute they came into the world, they seem to have a, a very particular kind of temperament than other kids who seem to have much of a harder time. I've seen that. Mm. Yeah. And, and so, you know, we always go through this nature versus nurture in terms of, you know, and also a lot of people that are sort of, you know, um, introverts, they pick certain kind of professions as opposed to the extrovert. They sure do. Yeah. Think about that a lot. Working in television, we have an editor who sits in an edit bay, door closed, no windows. (laughs) And I mean, but they like it. And I'm like, I would go crazy. Crazy. I need to talk. I need to like, so yeah, I think you're totally right. Yeah. So, but, but I, I think that, that, that a lot of what we're learning over the years, and that's part of my professional um, understanding is that when you come into the world, you learn about socialization through your relationship with your parents and your siblings and um, the extended family and the community. And when children have the majority of their needs be met, and mm-hmm. I'm not talking about all of their needs because first, there is no such a thing. And <laughs> secondly, you know, if your parents who are so hypervigilant and always do above and beyond, they unfortunately, the outcome is always disastrous, as you know. Um, you want to have just enough frustration with, you know, when you raise your children that they can tolerate it and figure things out on their own. But I think that often children who don't have their needs be met for whatever reason, whether it's an issue of safety, whether there is the violation of boundaries, whether it has to do with, you know, lack of resources, or it, it's a combination of different things. Also, we also we know that people are wired in a particular kind of a way and people who have encountered trauma we know that it changes the wiring of their brain oh wow is and it permanent when that happens it's interesting you say that because there was a study that um that came out recent i want to say recent but everything seems recent to me in my memory <laughs> but but about um they did a study on offsprings of Holocaust survivors. Oh my God. And they discovered that actually trauma is something that can be, um, um, uh, can be transmitted through generations and actually grandchildren of Holocaust survivors exhibit some. That's so interesting. Sorry. Yeah. And so one would say, well, this is 
obviously this is this is uh, nurture. This is you know people who have gone through any kind of trauma. Mm -hmm. There's a high likelihood that they will not talk about the trauma, and then um, there is just um, a lot of fear, a lot of anxiety. There is a lot of uh, post traumatic uh, stress disorder. I would just you know, of course, it's nurture. It's a, a nurture, but we now know a lot about neurobiology. We know how our brain actually has a way of rewiring itself over and over and over again. And now the thinking is the trauma actually is being transmitted through your genetics. Wow, that is so fascinating. It's a new field in the last five to 10 years. And, um, but, but that's what I'm saying is that it, it really takes, um, a different spin on happiness, right? Oh Absolutely. Absolutely. And from day one. And who has access to happiness. Yeah. Yeah. Cause then, yeah. especially if it's transmitted, if it's, if it's from your parents, let's say, or even your grandparents, it's even if you try to avoid it or, or separate from it or start over like their stories and what they're going to relate to it like they're going to be traumatic experiences whatever was passed on they can't not talk about that so it's always going to be like this reference point too because that's where it came from that's um kind of scary it's a it little scary it's <laughs> kind of scary but the good news you're asking could you change it over time yeah, yeah. and absolutely Absolutely. You can change it. And what do I mean by that? We know nowadays that there are some very, very specific skills that happy people or happier. I don't like to say happy because it just feels so static. Yeah. It's life is up and down. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. It's a, it's a journey. It's like on <laughs> a continuum. It's, it's a, there is a trajectory of some sort. Yeah. So I think that there are some very, very specific skills that people who are happier seem to be able to tap into and this is these are skills that can actually be taught and you're doing a lot of it mm -hmm. in your school I know for sure because I get the reports um, on yeah. a regular basis which is um, how do you deal with stress how do you deal because life is change is inevitable you know and adapt um, all the time exactly mm -hmm. and we know now that people who are much more flexible in their thinking and in their eye in the way in which they navigate through difficulties mm -hmm. seem to be able to be happier mm -hmm. than people who seem to be stuck and rigid do you think that's a confidence thing the way they approach these situations like i can figure it out it might take me a minute but i'm gonna figure it out versus oh, that looks daunting not gonna try it, you know? it's, yeah, it's confidence, it's anxiety, it's the wish to avoid, mm -hmm. of course, Avoidance. you know, what you know is what you know, right. and what you don't know feels scary, you know, the unknown. I feel like, um, like, you know, things will happen in your life, and you can go, no, no, my life wasn't supposed to be this way, mm -hmm. and you can fight it, yeah. you know, and you can fight your reality. I had a period of time like that in my early 20s, some dark days, and I was <laughs> fighting, I you, girl. <laughs> I was just, you know, fighting the circumstances of my life, but, you know, you, you have to eventually accept it, and then be flexible, go, okay, that wasn't in my plan. But then how can we move forward? What's this new adventure? This, Just embrace it. Yeah. You have to embrace it. People that say, oh, enjoy your 20s. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. Ooh, those 20s, <laughs> man. Yeah. yeah. Not easy. Not easy. But that's what brought us here. All these questions. And so we're answering them, right? That's exactly it. But that's, that, you know, that's the other, you know, when we talk about all these skills of mm -hmm. happier people, yeah. this is, this is exactly, it's, it's not, we're talking about flexibility, but this is the next thing, which is okay. really being able 
to take in and being able to, in so many different ways, create meaning in that give. Like even a lot of parents I know that have had a very difficult setback early on in life as children, and they thought being a parent is going to be just so difficult and taxing, and they never really wanted to have that experience. Once they became parents and they were able to develop this aspect of themselves and give and mentor Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. in it by itself, creating that kind of meaning. And I'm not saying you have to be a parent, by the way. I'm saying just yeah. mentoring, giving, just in it by itself, created a situation where they became happier. So mm-hmm. there is that. There is it, there, there's just a whole host of skills that you can actually later on in adult, as an adult, acquire to be able to become happier. And those skills, from what I understand, are also helped to, when you're using those skills, that's rewiring your brain. Yeah, if you if you absolutely. do come from a traumatic childhood or you're, that's passed down. Absolutely. We do know now that we have something called, it's, it's, it's the negative bias. You know, we know that, you know, we have the ability to sort of um, think in a particular kind of a way because what you know is what you know. There is this incredible analyst. She lives in the community, and I'm a big fan of her. Her name is Regina Pally. She wrote um, um, a great paper. I think it was, I want to say 10, 12 years ago or something like that. It's called The Predicting Brain. And she Mm -hmm. talks about the idea of, from a neurobiology perspective, how we have a way in which we filter some of the things that we that we know as a way to sort of predict what the future is going to be. It's like, it's that, you know, it's, it's a, it's an unconscious process when you actually decide about what the future is going to be. And inevitably, if you're not conscious of it, you're going to create it. Law of attraction. Is that right? No. I just got really excited. I was like, yes, I've read The Secret and I've seen the documentary. I'm, I'm visualizing believe, a BMW. Yeah. I'm envisioning Sorry. a BMW. And lots of diamonds. But I think we may have just identified why education is so important because it's this transfer of knowledge. Like you're saying, the more information you have, the more excited you are to learn more and to know why and keep asking why. And that's why this whole podcast exists, right? We just want to know why. And because we're interested, we have all these facts. We're like, oh my God, this is so exciting. It's a dopamine thing. It's like, oh, this is cool. So I think the more you know and the more you give to others, more information you share, I think that's it's a gift. Totally a gift. Definitely. Did we want to touch base on environment? You know, it's interesting because all three of us live in an urban environment. We do. Um, And Allie and I, like, we'll have moments where we'll be at coffee and I'm like, oh my God, I need to get out of this city. (laughs) Like, I just need to go to the woods. I'm going to pull a, what is it called? Thoreau. country. I'm just going to, I'm just going to admit it. It's like wine tasting weekend. Yeah. I can't handle it. And then I'm like. I used to, I used to commute, I used to commute an hour downtown to teach. Um, and I just remember my contentment, my level of contentment just going down because of the frustrations of the traffic and the parking and the, the downtown chaos. Um, and so it made me talk to Ali about like, what do you, like, which type of environment do you think people are the most happy in? Do you think it's urban? Do you think it's rural? Do you think it's suburban? Cause we immediately, when we would go to the Redwoods just for like a few days, like outside of San Francisco, 
and just breathing the cleaner air was like, oh gosh, this is like life changing. That was such a privilege. We'd, we'd go to the Redwoods. Um, uh, yeah, we'd wear North Face jackets. Hit a couple wineries. Yeah. Hi. <laughs> Oxygenize your brain. Yeah, yeah. yeah but yeah. we would anyway. feel different, you know. Yeah, it was total oh out of body. Even going home to the East Coast where I grew up, it is just like so refreshing to me. Even though I wouldn't give up the city, it's a different. Again, it's a pick me up. Can't think of the right word, but yeah. anyway, yeah. So, do you do you agree? Do you disagree? Well, you know, I, I think that just generally speaking talking it's going back to the idea of stress mm. you know and how you respond oh, yeah. to stress and we know that um stress pollution is a big deal it is a big deal we know that uh, you see it with classrooms you see it with work environment you see it with people since people moved away from um, being in offices into cubicles, how it's impacting mm. productivity. You see, actually, now they're showing more and more that people that work from home, they produce better, you know, uh, quality work and faster because they are in safe environment. We even have some uh, information about women who give birth that we learn that um, often when people are in maternity or where mm -hmm. they feel uh, when the environment is just so safe and comfortable and all of that, it, it's much easier to give birth than when you're sitting next to somebody who's screaming, you know. Um, so we know that environment does make a difference. Do I think that it has to do with happiness, um, probably to a certain degree, but definitely well-being, mm -hmm. definitely well-being. I think everything that we do, talking about um, hierarchy of needs, mm -hmm. you know, food, food, you know, can really, nowadays we know that food also, some kinds of foods, um, they tap into your serotonin, um, they increase your serotonin mm -hmm. level than others. We know that the health of your gut is connected with feelings of well-being. Wow. We, I mean, there's just so much. We know music actually tap into aspects of your brain that nothing else touches. But really, everything has to do with well-being. We don't live in, you know, we don't live in a vacuum. And so mm. I think all these things are very helpful. But I want to go back to the idea of community and relationships because mm -hmm. mm. I just realized something that um, I, I think that a lot of people do understand. But I asked my youngest daughter, what is happiness? And she looked at me and she said, Happiness, mom, is cuddling with you and daddy. Oh, my goodness. You're like, I did it. I did everything right so far. But it's true. But yes. 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 It proves your whole point. Yes. So it's not the vacation we're taking. This we, We're going on vacation um, to Costa Rica in December. Oh, so cool. I thought they're going to say, oh, we're going to see this. You know, we're going on vacation. And I thought they're going to see, they're going to say, we just, you know, we're, we're building um, a treehouse in our backyard. I thought they're going to come up with all these 
things monitor things monitoring and that's what my nine and a half year old daughter said too she said mom i love dates with you and i love dates with dad and i love for me happiness is ha uh, hanging what did she say spending time with my friends you know so values values are what are, are important at least what it sounds like to these kids and it's that's the relationships volumes and their culture yes. it's a shared culture you've made that a priority and they get it but you know i i really think it, it's it's again it's the community it's the school it's what they are also tapping into in their own subjective experience sure um it's the understanding of where what what creates a peak experience and we also know nowadays that people who are lonely and are not in significant relationship they make more visits to their physicians for the internists you know interesting and we know that people with chronic illnesses often tend to um, um, feel more isolated, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and so I just want to go back to the idea of, of happiness is one of those things where you're realizing that you have all these elements, but in the end of the day, we just, as you were saying in the beginning, we just were so primal, yeah. you know, that's yeah. the name of your show, but we're yeah. so primal. Mm -hmm. What we really need, mm -hmm. you know, it's like, you know, Primitive. We're primitive. <laughs> we're but we're wired to yeah. we're wired to connect. Join us next time and for part two. Part two. Um, we're going to interview a psychologist about um, how uh, social media affects happiness. And Ronit, you touched upon it a little bit. And also with relationships and connectedness, that's another our part three. So it's actually perfect. You hit on everything. You're ahead of the game. <laughs>